This is the Making Books podcast. I'm author Polly Ho Yen, and this is a podcast documenting the often slow, sometimes agonising, but also, let's face it, ridiculously exciting art of creating books. Each week, I'll be talking to a writer, illustrator, or industry expert about what their life is really like when they've dedicated it to making books. Hey there, welcome to episode nine of the Making Books podcast with the brilliant Piers Today, a fantastic fellow middle grade children's author, um, also written an adult novel. Uh, oh God, Piers is just great. I always think of him as being as kind of like the year above me at school because his novel, his de- his first novel, his debut, The Last Wild came out a year before my debut boy in the tower and we met sort of around that time and have been friends since then more recently we did have a little bit of crossover when we worked together as writing mentors for the novelry which we do uh, touch upon lightly Um, and so if you are wondering what the novelry is it's a brilliant um, online novel writing school um, where there's all kinds of brilliant courses that you can do to help you write your books and you could be coached by a writer like Piers Torday. Um, so we get into talking quite a lot about editing and editing reactions and um, his like kind of process for writing his debut and then how that sort of evolved um, over time fair bit of chuckling on my end because I'm just delighted to see Piers he's just really good company and if you are listening to this um live well as live as as live as possible um then you will know that it's January it's early January so happy new year um and so I'm fairly bleary um and the sky's quite cold and the sky's cold the air's cold everything feels a bit cold but we are in the uh, we're in the kind of New Year surge. So wishing you a happy 2024 wherever you are. And if you're listening to this non-live, then good day to you too. Okay, here's Piers today. Lovely to see you. I've got. Thank I know. I want to ask you lots of catch-up questions, but then I'm worried I'll get too sucked into that because I'm just happy to see you. <laughs> see you too. Ask <laughs> whatever questions you want, right? <laughs> I know. I would. I just wanted to ask you, like, how's everything at the novelry? But we won't even go down that because it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. How How are you, Piers? How great. are you? So today? Everything novelry is great. Um, quick answer. Um, so that's that rabbit hole done. <laughs> filled it's in. Concreted <laughs> over. <laughs> oh, yeah. How are you today? What are you? What have you been up to um, today? What's today? I'm sort of. Um, um, I spoke to my editor yesterday. And um, she said that notes on my new book would be arriving today. Um, so, of course, I'm unable to really concentrate on anything until they arrive. So yes. I've um, sorted out all my paper clips into different sizes, small, medium and large, and put them into different jam jars. Brilliant. And then like small, um, medium, very large, too very large. large. Too yeah. large. Um, novelty, novelty paper clips. <laughs> like, shaped like a dog or a bee. Um, I've not taken the dog for a walk because it's pouring. I don't know what it's like in Bristol, but it's pouring with rain here. Um, so he's a bit grumpy because, but he's grumpy. But then when I try and take him for a walk in the rain, he hate, he he won't do it. He hates it. Yeah. So he's kind of grumpy at the rain, but I'm feeling 
Um, and we've played endless games and done toys and things, but he's still kind of, anyway, he's a sleeper. This sounds quite similar to my day with my almost four-year-old. Same thing of like, I don't mind if we go out in the rain. Like, I know you think that, but I also know it will be awful. So let's just... Yeah. As soon as we're out in the rain, you will be unhappy. And, yeah, and let's make another fort. Let's make some yeah. more cupcakes. Yeah, um, more forts, cardboard boxes galore. <laughs> Um, so is this your editor? Have you been working with them for? A, is it? Have you had the same editor? Is it in someone you? No, with? because this time last year, my lovely former editor um, Sarah Lamb, who's a wonderful human being, um, left um, not only um, my publisher Hashet Children's, but actually left publishing to take a career change. Um, I, won't, I won't go into details. I don't know how it's sort of private, but. Um, but um, all all good, and and I'm thrilled for her. Um, um, but it meant that I didn't have an editor, um, and I was very lucky to be taken on by another editor, Hachette, called Rachel Waite, who's absolutely fabulous, and she edits the, uh, amongst other things, um, Karen Millwood Hargrave and the Heartstopper books by Alice Oseman. So I felt I was in very good hands. So I've only been working for very long, so I've only been working with her for a year, and. Um, I've delivered one book to her, which is not coming out until 25 because it's a sort of very illustrated book, so it's going to take forever. And then I've just delivered another book, which is coming out next year. Um, and so far, she likes it. So, so far, so good. I mean, she's an ed- editor I've, I haven't known for very long, but actually, we you just didn't... I, I knew her a bit because I met her at Kieran's book launches and things, and that's also why I wanted to go with someone I knew. It's quite strange... Yeah, it is publishing for a while to then go with someone you've never met and don't have any handle on because obviously the editor author relationship is entirely about trust um and it, we actually did an event at kingston university a couple of weeks ago because a former hachette commercial director now lectures and published the undergraduate course in pub undergraduate the master's course in publishing and she's also a distant relative by the by um, so I've done various things at Kingston and she wanted an author and editor chat about how we work together. And it was interesting to do because we did the chat, but actually we haven't really worked together that much. We have worked together a bit. We've been working on this other illustrated book. Um, so that was a good, I felt it was a good test. Like we kind of, we talked a bit about what we were going to say, but not a huge amount. And we took questions. Yeah. It's sort of a line. So that felt good. Yeah, and I I sort of do feel like you can tell quite you can tell quite quickly when you can just feel like your energies are aligned and yeah. you know you can feel that trust sort of blossoming. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, conversely, also the opposite can happen. Um, but I like it when you're like, oh yeah, okay, we're on the same page. I'm look, you know, I I feel I feel like I'm not only in safe hands, but that you, you know, you get what I'm trying. I mean, it's always just about like you get what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, yeah. And um and you have to yeah, it is all about trust and um but 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 also I think the more you know, when I was first published I kind of saw my editor as, as God, um, because I was so thrilled to be published. And I think that's that's right, by the way, because at that point I don't know anything about publishing at all and I'm just thrilled to have been published and desperately want the book to be good as it can be so um but also the downside of that was that I fantastically 
over-interpreted notes and would sort of, you know, often take months responding to something that probably just needed a quick line change. <laughs> um, so sort of over-responder was incredibly anxious about what the note said and, you know, because all notes, as you know, all notes and feedback always comes glossed, it always comes prefaced with, you know, uh, what you love about the book and then of course it gets into stuff that people don't love so much and um, I think what I've got better at doing over the years is just sort of realising that one editor's notes are, are just one editor's views on the book and that reading experience and everything they say has to be responded to because in some way because They've said it for a reason, but I don't feel this kind of like, oh gosh, yeah, I've got to. Not like, oh, how high exactly do I need to like jump that. here? Yeah. It's, exactly. It's much, I'm more relaxed. It's just like, okay, so that's not quite working. So here's here's my suggestion of a solution. Or sometimes, oh, that suggestion of solution is brilliant. But I don't, I don't sort of feel like um, if they don't yeah, like something yeah. that it's the end of days, or that I have to come up with a solution that yeah. completely aligns with theirs. But that again is a part of the trust that you that, Yeah, that absolutely. You space so what do you that. what do you do when you receive that email? Because I go, I flick through and then I go into a complete sometimes spiral of like, ah, so cross. And then I have to like walk away. You know, actually this I don't feel like I do this anymore, but I certainly did at the beginning. I I could like glance at the notes. I wanted to see all of them and then like kind of absorb it in a very light way, but I had to do it like kind of layer by layer. I couldn't like uh yeah I could, and I would always have a sort of um sort of mad out of proportion reaction would be my always be my first one and then I'd calm down and be like oh yeah that makes sense or yeah this isn't you know I can change this it doesn't matter that kind of thing what's your emotional roller coaster um very similar to that the two things I'd say one is um one of the most maddening things about writing is that um some of the sort of fantasies that sustain writing and some of the anxieties that propel writing are, you know, how, how the work is going to be received. Like after all, why, you know, you're not right. You're not, I think we often are writing for yourself, but you're not writing purely for yourself and you want to hopefully make a living from it. So you want it to be commercially successful and you, a part of that is some kind of critical approval. Often those two things align, not always, but, um, but the weird thing is, although you kind of fantasize about getting great reviews and people loving your book and have anxiety dreams about people panning and hating your book, it's very disproportionate because when you get um, a good yeah. review or someone says nice, you go, great, good. And you just kind of move on. Like you go, oh, lovely. Oh, good. They liked it. Excellent. I never reread good review. It doesn't give you any pleasure, even if they're really lovely. Yeah, and like, go, I always oh, think okay. like, yeah, oh, they, they have it. to say that. Bad <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're just saying that to be nice or but a bad review is like you know you never forget and stays in your mind forever and uh well certainly for me anyway and you think so I try not to read any reviews now but yeah because I think it doesn't really help and that's the funny thing with editorial letters is they're always prefaced by you know well done it's a great thing I like this I like that and actually that ne is never much comfort to the stuff that follows uh however um and I, my sort of liking to it is it's a bit like the sort of seven steps of grief, but not, not quite, which is 
which is the first process is um, kind of denial. Like they, it isn't that much. It's, the book's fine. They don't really, they're just, it isn't that much. Um, you know, they basically really like the book. And then it's like, you read it again, just like you were saying. And then you're like, oh no, they do actually, there is actually quite a lot in here that needs to be dealt with. Then there's like anger where you go, actually, do you know what? This per- they've completely misunderstood what I'm trying to do. They have no appreciation of my genius. And what are they trying to do? I'm, <laughs> I'm furious. I'm furious. Why am I even being published by this person? And then that anger kind of extends and you go, right, do you know what I'm going to find? Do you know what I'm going to do? Just to show them how wrong they are, I'm actually going to, I'm going to do, I'm fine. I'm just going to, I don't care. I'm just going to do exactly what they say I should do and the changes I should make. And then they'll see just how wrong they are about this book. And then you make the changes and you go. Helpful. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> So that's the kind of grandi- cycle of grandiosity that my uh, response to the And this is what lies ahead of your afternoon. Not always, but... Hooray, <laughs> lucky me. <laughs> we've had a chat. Luckily, we've had a really good chat, and I sort of, I actually know what's coming. And I actually, and now I am a bit, but I'm not. That was more in the early days when I was, again, more nervous about stuff. Now I am a bit more, um, you know... Uh, it's always straight, you know, people's responses to what you write is always so fascinating because the bit the bits you love writing are often the bits they're yes. going, people go, yeah. Can you make that a bit shorter? The things you didn't give a second thoughts to, they go, Oh, I love that. That's so clever <laughs> yeah. and funny. And you go, Is it? I didn't even <laughs> think about it, it just sort of came out. Um so that's a, also a strange thing. That there's there's always bits that you love and have a special place in your heart characters and lines and scenes that are really special to you and no one else gives an absolute <laughs> about I wonder what it's going to be for this one for you um, hmm. uh, <laughs> so uh, we we have spoken in the past um when we when when I when we were working together at the novelry in fact um about your processes hmm. and like how it's evolved but would you mind if we go into that a little bit because I just think it I love hearing about your debut oh. and then sort of like how you've evolved I was just looking on your website at all the different, at all of your, yeah, your long, lovely list of books, lovely book pile there and in different genres and your plays. And um, yeah, so could you take us back for pre The Last Wild, your debut? And I know, can you wind oh back gosh. the cogs? Wind back the cogs. Um, yeah, well, I I think, um, what's the best way to describe it? Um, I, I've, I have always written, I've always liked writing stories as since, since a kid at school and I never found it that difficult. You know, I always enjoyed the chance to sort of essentially a slightly performative way, I think, to show off in class, I think, because um, um, I liked reading and I seemed to have a lot and as playing to my own, so I seem to have a kind of slight facility for kind of ventriloquizing at first. Do you remember any of those early that stories that you wrote at school? Uh, Can you pick? Well, the one I always say to kids in school, but I'm not, is um, um, one day there was a dog called Sam, and like all dogs, he was a detective. And that was your first line? <laughs> Which is, um, 
Oh, Piers, you always had it, man. Um. (laughs) (laughs) My first, when I think back to my first ones, I can't remember the lines, but they were terrible. It was so bad. It was like, there was a horse that did something. (laughs) It was like that. I still quite like, I'd like to read There's a Horse That Did Something. Oh, so I'm liking your editorial feedback. Thank you. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, honestly, but most of them, I mean, were, yeah, were like that. Um, and often they were like, and they went into a dark, creepy house and ran out screaming Endings. at the end. Um, yeah. It was all green at the end, yeah. Um, and then the man pulled out a gun and everyone died at the end. <laughs> no, don't show that one, please. Um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that can obviously evolve, like with a lot of people, and I cracked on at school a bit, wrote lots of kind of teenage short stories about how everyone hated me and the sky was black, along with some really, really terrible It's very poems. important, right, a passage. Um, and very important on that. And that was like, that was when the rot set in and I really started to study English and I began to approach writing from the critical perspective the wrong way around thinking the way you made writing was to sort of create something that could then be studied in school which is such a mad now, yeah. now you look at it it's mad but that's how you're taught English you're taught like yeah and, and again like you know, thinking this? about those throwaway um, lines that you know your editor will pull out and say I love the imagery yeah. here and then you know that in the moment of writing you're just mm. like crack on get these words down and then you know, then imagining like, oh, the symbolism here, links here, over there. You know, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. You can't reverse engineer it. You don't, anyone sits down and thinks, you know, oh, this, I'd like to explore the use of metaphor in this poem. It's like, no, please don't. <laughs> I mean, um, and so that was kind of fatal a bit. And then I kind of wrote a play or two at university, but that already the kind of self-consciousness was descending like a, a cloud. And also, I didn't really realizing that actually to write seriously, that in the way people would buy, you had to have something to say. It's no point just going, "Oh, I can write a story," um, you know, which my mum likes. It's not really enough. It's nearly enough um, because, but your mum and some other people need to like it. Um, and so I did. I kind of satisfied my creative outlet in lots of different ways. In, I worked in theatre, but as a producer, and I would help people with their shows editorially and creatively. Um, but it's not the same as doing it yourself at all. I, um, and then I worked in TV for a bit, sort of coming up with ideas for things creatively and occasionally writing bits of them, but in that TV way, like voiceovers and links and things like that. So, But still kind of like exercising that muscle. And what was good about that was it got me good at writing to deadline on demand, like people saying we need a voiceover script for this by five o'clock today and you're just like okay just need to do it then um which is what you sometimes need um and then, and then I just had a gap in tv I just had like a job finished and I could have looked for another one but I actually just thought I'm just gonna take a it was in my early 30s and I thought all I've ever done is just panic and go university job 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 try and stay afloat and for once in my life because telly pays reasonably well I had didn't have loads of money, but I had like a, a cushion, at least for a month, you know. And I'd heard about these Arvin courses that, um, you know, that Ted Hughes and, and some other sort of 70s hippie poets set up in the 70s. And essentially it was this very kind of lovely idea, sort of based on a commune, essentially. These houses, everyone gets together and supports each other and takes it in turn to do 
the things that are so underestimated in their relationship with writing, which is like cooking and washing up and housekeeping. And it's a separate conversation, but you all do it together and there are tutors and you live in the house and there's no distractions like uh, Wi-Fi or, uh, well, not the 70s, they weren't worrying about Wi-Fi in the 70s, but um, but there are no distractions, no phones, no TV, anything like that. Um, and I just started writing this story that not had been, had begun earlier through a convoluted series of things that I'm not going to digress into now, but it sort of had been noodling away, but I hadn't really done much. And basically at the end of that week of kind of being with other people who wanted to write and being tutored and getting feedback, I kind of left feeling not that I was someone who wanted to write, but that I was without being massively pretentious or pompous about it. But I, I just like felt emotionally that I was allowed to call myself like a writer, at least someone who was committed to becoming a writer. Um, and then I got an agent on the basis of three chapters, and that was totally, I'm afraid, using privilege and connections because she she was a friend of my TV boss. And so and had you and you hadn't written the whole people. manuscript at that point? Um, no. And so she very gamely took me on the basis of three chapters and then um, sat on her hands with extreme patience as I took four years to and 17 drafts of just, and just realizing that writing a book is like, it's sort of mad to think that you can write a book without learning how to write a book. I, I, I really feel now. And just, and it's actually why I'm quite proud of the stuff that I did with you at the novelry, where we kind of, what we do is teach people to write books because it is really hard. If you've never written a book before, it's really, it doesn't matter how many books you've read or how many books you studied at school or university, it's totally different. It's mm-hmm. a just it, it's completely different. It's like it's like saying, Well, I eat breakfast at the kitchen table every day. Surely <laughs> making a table can't be that hard. And like, yeah, well, and it's like yeah, it kind of is, and actually. I'm imagining this table <laughs> can fly and also somehow can tell the future. You know, it's like I think sometimes those initial ideas we have, it's like yeah. I think I, you know, you have to start it with that thought yeah. of, Yeah, I can probably do it. Because if you knew the reality of the 17 drafts or like how how much it would change or you know how many hours it would take, you wouldn't start. <laughs> it's true, and I think you're absolutely right. And I, I, you should always give it a go. You, you should never not write a book because you don't know how to. But I'm, and but I learned the hard way, and I think it is different now. There are so many resources in person and online which you can. You don't have to like have a second university degree at all. But I do think a bit of education, even just reading some books on writing, really helps because it is there's just some basic things, bits of prep and technique that can help you. Like you're always gonna have yeah, to find that hard way a bit thing like is doing that anything. It, it's so it can be so different for different writers. Like it can be so wildly different. Oh, someone loves writing synopsis and planning, someone hates doing that, can't stand it, can't ever do that. And there's like there's like a myriad ways of doing it. And it's trying to discover the way that works for you that kind of makes it sort of sustainable and hopefully enjoyable along the way. Com- completely. And I always see lots of pe- people people worrying about, you know, I'm really struggling to write a synopsis. And I'm like, yeah, because synopsis are really boring and hard to write. And um, But they are, can unfortunately be quite useful. Um, and uh, it, I think... You know, part of learning to write is, as you say, discarding anxieties that you're not doing it in a way that other people do it. 
and having faith in your own in, in your own way and committing to that but and part of it weirdly is sort of leaning into your own way and trusting what that mm-hmm. is and then allowing that to develop and part of the problem when people start to write is not having confidence in their own way and then when it gets a bit challenging sort of giving up and trying another way which might not be their way or might be a taught way or a learned way that someone else is so it's it's sort of it's so much as confidence and knowing yourself um so for in, your in, first in the your, for, um for the last yeah. wild you were you it sounded like you were more free writing then at that point and then f- finishing the draft and then reviewing yeah i basically i just had a i some people are about plot and i'm others are about vibes and i'm very much a vibes writer like I love creating atmosphere and a sense of place and a sense of, you know, or mood or tension or excitement or comedy. And I love characters. What I often comes last to me is the sort of plot that puts all those things together. I often have characters behaving in certain ways and following certain emotional drives, but the clarity and the objective often is a bit elusive to me till I get to the end. And then I have to go and rewrite it and just just make sure it's clear why they're doing yeah. all those things. Now I know. And I guess myself. the weird thing is, is probably you did do from the beginning, um, but you can't. Yeah, I did, and I sort of knew yeah. roughly, but I just didn't know quite how to get there or how to explain it, how to. So basically, I wrote seventeen drafts. So I kept sort of partly because it was ended up being a trilogy, and I was often trying to squeeze three books into one, impossible. Uh, so it was too long. Partly because I just you know was overwriting over storytelling over explaining not realizing actually that one incident where this happens was enough it shows the character it shows the thing i didn't have to do it eight times didn't have to have and you know and also focus the other thing is distraction focus on your main characters don't go think i've got to get this other bit of story in that's not remotely relevant but it was just fun to do um and eventually i kind of before going completely mad i did just manage to really force myself to make a chapter by chapter synopsis. I started using Scrivener, which is a software thing that really helped me because it allowed me to visualize and plan the book in a way I hadn't been able to do in Word. Mm-hmm. It's not for everyone, but it really helped me. And I just like, that's the book you're going to write. You've got so much material. Take your material and make it fit this book and make it not be too long and make it for children and think about the language and make it accessible and all that kind of stuff and stop trying to be all the writers you've like and admire stop trying to write all the books you want to write in one book focus on this core environmental theme that I was really into and about it and and, may, and then you know the cliffhangers and all the rest of it and and then finally then after about so three years we were really had something and then my agent sent it out to some independent freelance editors incorporated their feedback um and i gave and paid for a professional kind of line edit just so oh, when wow. it was so it went through it a lot really, really... before submission it... it was a lot and then when it was bought and then when it was bought there was you know they did a full edit and that was another year's work i mean yeah um but it paid off because it's still my yeah. most popular book and always will be like most people's books um so it's kind of worth it but it's also but it's impossible I think to do that work again once you're published yeah. um, because, because you're in the swim and also it'd be weird to do that 
I don't. I think a book. I'm, I'm very proud of that book, but it shouldn't have taken. You know, it's, it shouldn't have taken that long. It's not a. It's not warm. <laughs> but then I guess so, you know that, like you you've talked about it. You know that's where you learned the craft, learned your craft of what worked for you, and and I guess you know what. Wh- how would you approach? You know, this this last book that you just that you're waiting for feedback from now. What was the process for this one? It's really interesting, and I mean the thing to say. And I've heard it. I know other people have said it on this podcast. I've heard them, but like the the kind of great mistake is to assume because one book goes one way that the next book goes that way, and every book is so different. Um, and uh, sort of finds its own way from whether it's written in the morning or the afternoon, or or written quickly, or written laboriously, or written to a plan, or purely improvised or all those things every book is slightly different um and this one I've just written it began as a very loose idea in lockdown it's taken me a long time to sort of finally get to it because of other commitments and other books that had to be and I kind of I think I was weirdly almost it felt like a treat to write and I was almost putting it off and I had it was about finding the voice and I, kept, I made various attempts at it that got very close to the voice, but just weren't quite right. And often, um, and often what I often do is I often begin, even now, by copying other writers to find yeah. voice, like just small passages, just two screens side by side. I'll just, I'll sort of just see how many words they use, how long the paragraphs are, just to get get myself yeah, into it's like, the it's right such kind a helpful of rhythm foothold, isn't it? vocabulary. Yeah. yeah, just to sort of immerse, not to, and I'm never worried about that because honestly, by the time you're done with it, it's so, it's so far from what, uh, whoever you were looking at. And I was trying that and I was getting sort of close, but it all felt like weird pastiche or something else or, which is of course what it was. And then I think, just doing various, and sorry, and the reason yeah, I'm not talking about the sure, book sure, is sure, just because yeah. I haven't announced it yet and everything, so I'm not mentioning what it's about, but so it's a bit frustratingly vague, but um, l- looking at, there are various sort of breakthroughs to do with other books and films on the same subject, or that I didn't think were on the same subject, but I realised were perfect. And the way things swirl around in your head and your subconscious does the work, and really at the end of last Christmas, the new new year, I just, the the sort of core characters and the world and the voice kind of just solidified in my head. And I didn't really have a plot. I had, I had essentially a, a genre of story, um, which in this case is effectively the kind of, a, a, I can say that, it's a sort of treasure hunt story, but very unexpected characters and things. And I just, I just started writing because I enjoyed the voice and I had that in my head and I really enjoyed that. And I just, oh, that's how I wrote it, like letting the voice lead me in, knowing I wanted to get certain moments in there um, and then endlessly going back and doing what I tell people never ever to do, but I always do it, which is I basically can't move on till the bit I've done is perfect, um, which is fake. I feel like really it's bad advice, a confession. That's how I do it. It's so. like, I'm sorry, I do do that. <laughs> so sorry, but I go back 
and endlessly re-edit the stuff I've done. But the truth is, for me, it's like excavation. I keep well, finding I new stuff yeah. about the characters. And I, I can't yeah. move on because I, I don't know them well enough. if yet. you're approaching it in that way where you're, you know, you're really immersing yourself with the voice and you're, you know, yeah, excavating. You're really, mm. you're, you're discovering it. And it's like, it's, I, it's great to work in that way. I've sometimes done that. I haven't done it from like mm. a few books now, actually, where rather than like, oh, I'm at here, I'm here in the synopsis. I'll write this section now. Here I go. So yeah, that makes, mm. that mm. makes a lot of sense. But so were you not using Scrivener in the same way then for this one no i was i used scrimmer a lot because this book's involved a lot of research and a lot of different literary influences and it was just great i always have those to hand in one thing to look at and to search and and i also use scrivener to keep a because there's a lot of world building to create a kind of glossary so every time i invented a new word i created an entry in the glossary and a definition so i knew because it's amazing while you're writing that you think you, you, you've created a word but you actually forget yeah. specifically what it actually means because you create it in a moment and then you go actually what did I actually mean by that what are the actual you sort of know roughly what it means um but you haven't really by writing it down you like commit yourself to it and go oh no those are the rules that it does that oh you know, ah, yeah I can that, see how helpful that. that would be for that level of world building which I've never attempted yeah. so it's not it's, it's, yeah. it's fascinating to hear you talk about that and I've never really done it and I've done dystopian fantasy and I've done a bit of magic fantasy but this is the most magical yeah it's probably the most world building I've done but it's also it's parallel world so it's sort of based on a real world it's not a fantasy king it, it, it's it's closer to say like yeah. Lyra's Oxford how I exciting kind of parallel to Corollary, corollary. I can never say I'm that not, word. Corollary. I'm not going to attempt it. <laughs> um, oh, thanks, Piers. It's so lovely to hear. Yeah, like the in-depth process. I'm like fascinated in just the like the minutiae of how it works for everybody. Um, so, can I dig in a tiny little bit more, just in practical kind of terms? Where, yeah. like, where do you write? Mm. How do you write? I know, I know, it's always evolving. But what's working for you at the moment? And when do you write? You know, all of those, um, that routine stuff. I write. It's a lovely I write room. in this room, you can see me, my little... Should I describe it, or should you describe it? It's uh, sage green walls, olive green walls, sage green walls, let's say that. A glossy mm, mahogany chest of drawers sits behind you, and a lovely... I mean, this is a dream writing room. <laughs> I feel embarrassed. My writing shed is like what's it called it's like osb it, <laughs> like, industrial chic um but yeah and you've got a lovely leather armchair behind you and good lighting plants that look healthy and aren't dead and a printer yes. i think yes and a printer which i don't and, and things on the and like sometimes. yeah posters um, are they play are they pl- posters <laughs> my ego wall Lots of books. Um, yeah, so I write here, really. I mean, obviously, like, um, we all write, like, on trains and when we're visiting schools and hotel rooms and everywhere. But I don't really like writing in cafes and libraries. I used to, 
wrote a lot of the last while because I didn't have an office or anything like that. Um, and I had to get out of the house or um, to kind of force myself to write. But I find them a bit distracting now and I just don't like spending endless money on coffees that I don't want and Wi-Fi connections that don't work because I listen to music when I write. Um, like my Spotify Unwrapped is like <laughs> hilarious because... I only really listen use Spotify to listen to music for writing. So it is like your number one artist was like some obscure cue <laughs> from some random soundtrack. Um, so square. Um, uh, so I can do that and have good connection, use my headphones, do all the research. So annoying writing somewhere and you yeah, want to find out yeah. a fact and you just can't the page won't load like it because it just it blocks the whole we're so used to that fluency now it blocks the whole process which I know sounds ridiculously demanding but it's true like we've got used to be able to find out this or that and and also I just know that although I use Dropbox and stuff that when I'm writing on the road the one file I want to look at or access will not have somehow not mm. synced or be open so I can't I don't know um and uh, with the dog keeping company on his little cushion, which you can't see. Um, I can go and make coffee. And I write best in the morning. I definitely write best in the morning. I just, for various reasons, I, my body kind of, I just get very tired in the afternoon. And I just can't really, I find it very hard to kind of, I can do it if you, you know, have to, have to. And I get a second wind around five, but I'm really no good in the afternoon for writing. Um, and so I try and write as early in the morning as possible before the day kind of takes over, but often it does because there's stuff. Um, and I just try and keep a steady pace of writing and never go in, even if I want to write more, I just try and write small amounts, finish knowing exactly how I'm going to start the next day. So I can start the next day. Um, the, the The worst feeling is sort of, it's so weird, like having a brilliant day where you kind of get to the end of a chapter, so you probably do a bit more and you just like, it's great. And then the worst feeling is the next day where you sort of go, yeah, don't actually know what happens next. I keep going back to the last really good thing. Oh, look at this lovely finished chapter with a good ending and da 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 and all that, which is great. And then just going, but I still so have like to write grinding more gears, isn't it? It's like, ah, ah, ah. Where is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and so, and how long will you write for in the mornings, ideally or normally? I suppose. I mean, it really varies. You know, the 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 truth is, the weird thing is, with writing sometimes what I need to do that day just is sort of done in half an hour, forty minutes, just done. And then, and that's a bit strange, and you feel a bit guilty and like, oh gosh, um, but actually, it's really good then not to kind of force it. Because you know there are plenty of other days where, like, you know, f- four hours and still you've written about like three lines. Um, so I think that makes up. I think those counterbalance. And then there are days where it's like, you know, an hour and a bit, an hour and a half. But then there's all the stuff around it. There's the bit of editing, a bit of planning, a bit of research, a bit of you know, note taking. All goes into that. So. So I always think roughly, and I said just like, I think this is like when the doctor says, and how many units do you drink a week? Um, I sort of like, 
And how many hours do you write a day? Oh, definitely four. Definitely always four hours a day. Yeah. I'm really good, conscientious, and things are so. Always write four I know. Hours a day. Things are so drastic. I, don't know I know. I, I know. What you, I mean, if I, <laughs> I sorry to ask you that question because it puts you on the spot. And things have so drastically changed for me in terms of um, balancing childcare that I'm delighted sometimes just to get 15 minutes, you know. And that feels sort of incredible. Yeah. Not that much is done then, but even, yeah, any pocket of time is, I just think any time spent on it is is great. And actually, yeah, I'm all for those half an hour quick blasts and then, you know, what, whatever will come the next day. What would you do if you did have that time? Yeah, that t- you know, you, you do have a, a kind of surge and you you do everything in 40 minutes and you don't feel like you need to do any more research. What would then be your... But no, the thing is, I'm always like overcommit. You know, I mean, I always dream of the luxury of just working on one thing, so that way that would be the real problem. But actually, the truth is, I never am. Like most freelancers, have always got more than one. Say yes to more than you can do because you're worried about when you're going to get paid and whether it's all going to work, and plus all the school visits and the talks and the things like that. So the you know, and there are always points. For me, the sweet point of despair is where I feel creatively I'm in the right headspace to work on something, but there's so much other stuff that I've said, you know, meetings and things like that and dogs to be walked and places to be visited. And you're yeah. like, you know, when you don't want to be doing any of it, you sat in front of your computer. And ironically, the day you have a clear day, to be sat in front of home on your computer inevitably. Yeah, you and are, you're you also very tired from doing all the, your commitments that you've said yes to. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for saying yes to this well, commitment to the podcast. <laughs> oh, no, it's a pleasure. <laughs> so I'm done because I'm completely free as a bird. I've done... Your paperclips you know, are done. I've done my They're book. I've done ordered. my I've done my so done paper clips I've been done my accounts I'm literally yeah I'm oh, just well, now hope, down to really yeah I hope that I distracted you a little bit in the in the editorial way but it's been great to catch up with you Piers and I'll I know we can't um talk about the details of the title for your next book but I'll look out for it and I will tell everybody when I see that being released and it sounds brilliant I can't wait to read it thanks Polly and are you working on something what have you got something in there yes exactly the same as you like I kind of I just can't I don't actually I don't know if I would like to write work on one thing at a time I can't stop working on more than one thing and um um but I'm I'm aware that um my yeah I have a baby in my tummy he's growing at an exponential rate and um I've got to work out exactly how I'm going to do all the things that I've I'm agreed to do. more writing time from you <laughs> and and the things that I you know that I want to get off the ground yeah. and how that will possibly happen I just think it will be fine but if I actually think think about the months and the you know the actual time scale it feels a little bit um slightly worrying but right. I'm right. I'm confident confident it's yeah. going to be okay but yeah, yeah I'm working with um nights of at the moment oh, lovely and um, yeah. really loving working with them. And then, yeah, like a few things that I'm trying to, uh, yeah, try and get off, uh, trying to get off the ground. Yeah, that are new and may- maybe we'll never get off the ground, but like, I have to, yeah, I can't stop like keeping on chipping away on them. So I will continue. I will continue on. Well, I look forward to seeing them all. Thanks, Piers. Um, Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. 
So I hope you enjoyed that chat with Pierce. Um, do check out his books, his work. All of it is just fantastic, original, brilliantly written. Um, and um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what his next projects are going to be. So uh, until next week, bye bye.